How many of you would be transparent right now and just say, I have no idea what that carrot is about? Okay, God bless you. God, God will bless honesty, I'm telling you. Uh, back in the day, uh, when they wanted to get a, a horse or a mule or whatever it was that pulled the plow to really go, they would put a carrot on a stick and just hold it way out in front of him, and he'd see that carrot, and he'd chase that thing all day long and never catch it. And that's what we do with our thoughts about money sometimes and about what money buys. And today we're going to talk about money, so just calm down with your excitement and just chill so I can preach here. Um, why do we have to talk about money in church? Boy, do I have some good reasons, and here they come. Number one, you need to hear about money in church because it is impossible for a Christian to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, fully devoted, without being completely submitted to him in the area of your finances. Didn't say you couldn't be a Christian. I'm just saying there is an area of your Christian life and intimacy with God that you could never get to until you get that money right. All right? Another reason we need to talk about money is because Jesus had too much to say about it for us to treat it like it's not a priority. As a matter of fact, Jesus said more about money than he said about salvation. He said more about money than he said about heaven. He said more about money than he said about hell. As a matter of fact, he said more about money than he said about all three of those things combined. Jesus said more about money, listen to this, than any other topic he talked about when he was on this earth. Isn't that amazing? You might not have realized that. I challenge you to do your own research there. Let's look at one of the most famous statements Jesus made about money. Matthew 6, 21. For where your money goes, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Wherever you put your money, your heart follows. Your attention, your focus Jesus said, wherever you invest, wherever you put your money, your heart goes that way. The number one competition that God faces as he attempts to bring us to that place where he is Lord of our life. The number one competition God has in trying to cause us to give him our whole heart is money. And the stuff money can buy. Can I tell you, you do not have to have much money at all for money to be a problem that stands between you and God. You do not have to be rich. Now, he said that if you're rich, it's going to be harder for you. But there are people who have hardly nothing who battle with their desire for things so much that God has become secondary in their life. I want to make a covenant with you on this series because I got to tell you, I, I try to put myself where you guys are and I try to put myself uh, in, in the seat, you know, and I sit down, pastor comes up, I walk in the main door and there's this big $100 bill on the wall and I go, oh man, give me a break. Some of you are visiting today and you're thinking of all Sundays 
of all Sundays to come, I got to come on the money Sunday. Well, actually, we're going to have four of them. So I'm afraid y'all won't get it the first time. But I want to make a covenant with you because I want to put myself where you are. I promise you in this series, I am not going to ask for anything from you. I only want something for you. I promise. I'm not going to ask anything from you. Now on October 5th, we're going to have what we call offering fit for a king. And on that day, we're going to do some really cool stuff in worship. You do not want to miss it. You will leave here, every one of you leave here with tears in your eyes. It'll be one of the most moving worship services we ever have. We'll be having communion that day. And then we'll put the offering basket up here, and you will bring your offering that day. There is one place in the Bible where God says to test me, one place, and it is in the area of money. And he says, give me 10% of your income. Just try me on that. Just test me on that. And watch what I will do. And so on October 5th, we just ask everybody here at the church to tithe on that day. And some of you may be surprised. Say, doesn't everybody tithe? Well, we're ahead of most churches. Probably about 30% of our congregation tithes on a regular basis. That may surprise you. But actually, in the average church, it's about 15 to 20%. And so what we want you to do that day on October 5th is we want everybody to do it that day and test God. Let me tell you what happens every year when we do this. We have, I get phone calls, I get emails of, of people who did this and, and something got released in their life. Something happened in their life financially. Something happened that they had been praying about and it just wouldn't come through and something came out of nowhere and they were able to pay something off. I'm just saying God said, test me. I don't know how he'll pay you back. I don't know how he'll bless you back. It may not be money. You know, there are things more important than money. And so I don't know how he'll do that for you, but we want him to, we, we want you to give him the chance to do that, okay? And so we'll do that on, on the 5th. So my, my, first, my first covenant promise with you is this, is that um, I don't want anything from you. I just want something for you. And I'm going to give you eight things in just a minute I want for you. The second thing I want to covenant with you, and I don't even know if this is important to you or not. I don't even know how much you care about this. But I want to tell you anyway because I just want you to know, I never look at what you give to this church. Now that's my personal policy. I've got pastor buddies who think I'm a nut for that. But I don't want to know what you give. I just don't want to know. I look at the big number and I look at how we spend it and what we use it for because I think we're going to be held accountable for that before God. But I don't look at what you give. I have no idea what any of you give to this church. No idea. And I don't want to know because I don't want to treat a guy who gives me, you know, $12,000 a year, maybe $1,000. I don't want to treat that guy any differently than the guy who gives me fifty. dollars I just want to treat everybody the same. I don't want to even take the chance that I would look at somebody differently or that during a teaching like this when I would think about somebody who really needs to hear this. I just don't want that kind of thing going on. And so I don't know. I don't know what you guys give, and I want you to know that. Um, let's look at eight things I want for you in this series. Eight things I want for you. 
Number, four, number one, I want you to at least, and some of you are already there on this one, but some of you are not, I want you to at least be able to believe that it can turn around, your financial situation. I just want you to believe it. I just want, see, a lot of you have been in, in bad shape financially for so long that you don't think it can get better. And I want you to believe because the Word of God says it can. The Word of God says it can change. Your financial situation can change, and I want you to believe that. The next thing I want for you is that you would take steps. You would take the steps that once I teach this and put this out there, or and it doesn't have to come from me, man. I'm just teaching what God's given me. Dave Ramsey. Anybody know Dave Ramsey? Anybody got any Dave Ramsey books? Man, buy his books. Those of you who have read his books and kind of used some of his stuff, raise your hand up again, would you? Y'all need to talk to these people. These are the wise among us. I'm telling you, if you want a, a, some really like a textbook on how to get your money straightened out, Dave Ramsey is the man. We, we, teach, um, we teach crown financial classes here, and uh, Will Boykin is our teacher, and is Will here? Is Will somewhere? All right. And uh, y'all call Will. He wasn't in church today. Um, Will does a great job. Will is actually a certified crown teacher who goes around to other churches and teach, teaches the class, but he teaches it for us. How many of you have taken that class and been blessed by Will's teaching? Awesome. And see, we want to develop a culture here where we're not just standing up in front of you and going, you need to give to this church, man. I'm telling you, you guys don't give enough. We need more and blah, 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 blah. Because I'm going to tell you, I hate that kind of preaching. I hate that kind of teaching. You're not going to ever motivate me just trying to rag on me about money. Here's what you're going to motivate me. When you say, look, let me help you get your money stuff together so you can obey God. Let me help you get your money life together so you can do what God wants you to do. Instead of me just getting up here and pouring guilt on you about that. So the first thing I want is for you to believe it. Next thing I want you to do is take steps. Once you learn what you need to do, start doing it. Number three, I want you to enjoy the benefits of a life fully surrendered to Jesus. And I know you're never going to do that until you do get it together financially. You will never become a fully devoted follower of Christ until you do that, until you get those things together. And you've got to come to a place where you understand that my intimacy with Jesus and my financial life are inseparably linked. My intimacy with Jesus, my walk with Jesus, and my money are inseparably linked. All right, let's look at the fifth thing I want for you. I want you to experience the faithfulness of God in the areas of your finances. And, and, and there are things that just God can't do until you start trying. Now, let me just say something to you. Let me tell you how merciful God is. Let me tell you how much he loves you and how merciful he is and how much, how much he cares about you. Listen carefully. Some of you are out there thinking, man... So I can't really enjoy the faithfulness of God, and I can't really have intimacy with God until I get my financial life together, right? And then you look at me and you go, have you seen my financial life? It is going to take me years to get that together. Here's the wonderful thing about God. Listen, listen, listen. This is so important. This is huge. The moment you make a move to start getting it right, the blessings begin then. They begin right then. 
It's not like God goes, all right, all right, man, two, two or three more years, two or three more years, and I think you're going to have it, and then, I'll, then I'll, you'll see me hanging around. That isn't how God does it. The minute you start doing the right things, the minute you start obeying him in the area of your finances, the blessing from that begins immediately. And the more you obey and the more you get yourself in order, the greater his presence and his majesty and his glory and his blessing in your life. So those of you who are in just really rough shape, and I mean it's a pain for you when, the, when that bag is passed, that's the worst part of the service for you. Not because you resent us passing the bag, you know we have to do it, but because you can't do what you know you ought to do. And so that's a negative time for you in the service. As of today, if you will change your behavior, you don't have to look at that as a negative time in the service anymore. You say, but I can't give 10%. I can't. Well, the fact is you can but I'm not going to dwell on that. I'm not going to dwell on that. Let's say you've just decided you can't do it. So let's say every week you're dropping in five or if you can, you know, or 10, 20 on a good week, 40. But let's say you know that's not 10% of your income. And so you feel guilty and you're like, I can't really worship because I know I'm not obeying God and you know, I want God to do some stuff in my body physically healing, and I just, I even hate to ask for that because I know I'm not doing You see how the enemy uses that against you? Listen to me. Listen. Decide this coming Sunday that you're going to give 3% and give that faithfully. And after you've given that faithfully, then raise it to 5 And for a few months, give 5 and then raise it again to seven. For a few months, give seven. Before you know it, you're at ten. And I know what some of you hardcore people are thinking. God said ten percent. Ten percent. You're sending people to hell. <clears throat> Keep that attitude, but don't tell anybody. All right? <clears throat> I mean, being anointed will mess your hair up. All right, now listen. But you know what? Some people are never going to get to 10 if you don't give them a plan to get to 10. Okay? So sit down with your wife, sit down with your husband when you get home, sit down with the kids and say, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start somewhere. And you, you might not have to start way down at 3. You might be able to start at 5. And, but, but see, when God sees that, when God looks at that and he sees that, God's going to go, man... They want to do the right thing. And all of a sudden, he's going, you know, if they want to do the right thing and they want to obey me and they just kind of got their self in a mess and can't really do it like they want to, I tell you, I'm just going to kind of speed up their debt repayment plan. And I'm going to kind of speed up things where they think they're going to go from five to seven in six months. I'm going to just blow them away and they're going to go from five to seven in three months. Are y'all with me? So everybody chill out. Just start obeying God. Just start turning. See, listen, listen. You're going the wrong way financially. All of a sudden you hear this teaching or you read Dave's books or you go to crown class and you turn. Watch this. You turn. And the minute you turn spiritually, the blessings begin right then. Not down here when you get it all together. 
But the minute you turn, blessings start happening in your life. Does that make sense? Number six, I want you to be free to do whatever God calls you to do. Have you ever, have you ever wanted to do something for God? Or, or maybe you've even wanted to start a ministry of some kind, but you had gotten yourself in such a shape, you, you couldn't do it. You didn't have the seed money for it. So I want you to be free when God speaks to your heart to be able to say, I can do that, man. I can do that. Number seven, I want you to feel the security um, of having it together financially. I want you to sense that security. I, want you, I don't want you, listen, this is one of the things I want for you. I don't want you to lose any more sleep about money. I want, don't raise your hand, but you ever lost sleep about money? Oh, my goodness. I don't want you to lose any more sleep about money. Because I want you to turn. I want you to start obeying. I want you to come to a place where you can go to bed at night and lay your head down and say, I've got some stuff on my mind, but it's not my money. Amen, amen. I want that for you. Because I've been there, man. I've been there when you lay your head down at night and you can't close your eyes because you don't know where it's coming from to do what you've got to do. And we're not even talking about God. We're talking about lights, food. I don't want you to be like that. Look what it says in Proverbs chapter 21. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil. In the house of the wise, they're stored up choice the best food and oil but a foolish man devours all he has he who pursues righteousness and love righteousness is obedience that's how you become righteous by obeying so the person who pursues obedience and love look what they find they're pursuing righteousness and love but look what they find they find life and what prosperity and integrity honor respect beautiful the last thing I want for you is I want you to feel true contentment. Here's what I want for you. And you got to pray for this one because we live in a world that does not want you to be content. We live in a world that says, buy this car so you make your neighbors envious. Not buy this car so you can drive it to the store and get stuff and feed your family or go from point A to point B. But buy this, I heard this, buy the car to make somebody envious. I want you to be able to look at people's nice stuff, and I want you to be able to go, that is awesome. That is just the coolest car. That's the coolest whatever. And then I want you to walk off, and don't say it to them because you don't want to hurt their feelings. But as you walk off, I want you to look up to Jesus and say, I'm so glad I don't care if I have that or not. Thank you, God. Amen. Because some of y'all are in a mess because you thought, I got to keep up with him. And I got to keep up with him. And I got to keep up with him because, you know, I don't want people to think, what about what God thinks? So I want you to have contentment. True contentment. Not bite the bullet contentment. I'm content, I'm content, I'm content. Not that. But just real contentment where you look at stuff and go, you know, that is really nice. <sniffs> Smells good. But I don't want it. I mean, the big blue bomber out there, the Buick. I have to always talk about my Buick. I actually get a preacher's magazine. And in that magazine, it said, you might be a preacher if you've got a Buick with over 100,000 miles on it. I went, yeah. But now I'm loving the Buick because now it's like a classic. 
and I roll all the windows down, pump up the wrap, lean in the middle. I used to be a nerd, now I'm cool. You have to hold on to it long enough that you get cool because you got it. <clears throat> so number one, I have no idea what you give. That's my covenant. Number two, it is my sincere desire to provide something for you without asking for anything from you. So what does the title, How to Be Rich, mean? Here's what I want us to do. I want us to look at how God wants us to use money. And I know what time it is, and that makes no difference, but I know. All right. 1 Timothy 6, 18 through 19. Look what Paul says to Timothy. This is that older preacher, that seasoned preacher, that leathery skin, been there, done that, bought a T-shirt preacher, talking to this young 6'2", thick hair, no bald spot right here, thick hair, cool youth guy, you know, you can always tell the youth pastor, you know, they got the spiky hair. And, um, <laughs> and so Paul's just pouring into this young preacher, and this young preacher's getting him a church, you know, and he's going to lead a church, and, and here's what the old preacher says to the young preacher. And i got to tell you guys, something happened somewhere along the way, because I used to read these passages and thought of myself as Timothy, and it flipped on me, and now I sound like the old guy. I don't know when that happened. <laughs> Verse 18, tell them, now this is that old preacher talking to that young preacher, hey boy, hey boy, when you go in that church, you tell them to use their money to do good. You tell them that. Use their money, use their money, use their money because it is a tool. Money is a tool. He said they should be rich. See the words be rich? Sounds like a great title for a sermon series. They should be rich in good works and give happily to those in need, always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them. We have an opportunity to do that even today as you're leaving. Verse 19, by doing this, they will be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity, and they will be living not only in eternity a great life, but even down here a fruitful Christian life as well. So when you, when you get it right financially, he blesses you down here and you lay up stuff up there. That's pretty cool right there. It's a pretty good deal. God goes, here's $100. Give me 10, which I gave you the whole 100. Y'all agree with that, that God provides the whole 100? And then I tell you what, I'm going to give you 100. You give me 10. And if you'll be obedient and consistent in giving me the 10 back, I'll just give you a way bunch more than 10 back, worth way bunch more than 10. What a deal. It's better than Target, Walmart, Food Line. Notice three things out of this verse. Use your money. Use your money. Use it. Money is to be used, not loved. The Bible doesn't say money's bad. The Bible says the love of money. I love these radio preachers and TV preachers that get all fired up and say, money is the root of all evil. No, it isn't. It's the love of it. Money's a tool. Money isn't good or bad. It's what you do with it. You are to use money and love people, but when you start loving money, you do the opposite. You start using people to get money, and that's the world system. Money is a tool that God gives you to help fulfill his purposes in this world. So see money as a tool. Money has great potential for good if you use it right. The second thing that jumps out at me is this 
bank in heaven that if I do my money right down here, I actually am investing for myself up there. That's what Paul said. You can read it on your own. And, and people say, well, you can't take it with you. You know what? You can't take it with you. But if you get your money right down here and, and do what God wants you to do, you can send it on up ahead. You can send it on up there. It'll be waiting when you get there. I don't even know what that means, really. I just know what the Bible says. And then the third thing I see is that if you obey God with your money, he will use it to help you invest in eternity for his purposes. That's the main thing. Remember I, remember I taught last week about the gifts, gifts that you have and that you can use your gift to make money, but it wasn't primarily given to you to make money. Your gift was primarily given to you to build the kingdom of God. You remember me teaching that? Well, I want to tell you the same thing's true about money. When God gives you money, you can buy your house and food and cars, and he doesn't mind if you buy clothes and all that stuff. And He's not against that, but he just wants you to understand that every bit of it came from him and that he's giving it to you primarily to do his purposes in the world, make sure his purposes get accomplished in the world. That's the primary reason you're given any money at all, and he just wants you to see that. This investment that I'm talking about is tested and proven. It's secure, it's risk-free, it's tax-free, it's guaranteed high interest rate. It yields dividends not just for life but beyond for eternity. Any financial advisor that is worth his salt will tell you, do not put all your eggs in one basket. Well, Jesus says the same thing. That means you need a diversified portfolio. And I just learned those two big words this week. No. Diversified portfolio means you don't put everything in one stock or one mutual fund. You diversify. You keep some, well, whatever. But Jesus says that's what you do with the money you use for the kingdom too. Don't put it just in one place, but put it diversified. Put it in several places. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. So in this series, we're going to talk about five ways to use your money to further God's purposes and uh, to lay up treasures for yourself in heaven, because I want this for you. I want it for you. So, so let's look at the first one. God has five financial investment funds, and I'm going to give you the first one today, and I'll be done in few minutes. Okay? All right. Let's call it the treasury fund. Put treasury fund on that line. And the reason I call it the treasury fund is because Jesus here is going to say something in Matthew 6, 19 through 20, and it sounds almost just like what Paul said to Timothy. Listen. Matthew 6, 19 through 20. Don't store up here on earth where they can be eaten. Or don't store up treasures here on earth where they can be eaten by moths and get rusty and where thieves can break in and steal it. But the best place is to store your treasures in heaven where they will never become moth-eaten or rusty and where they will be safe from thieves. And then Job said in chapter 22, I think the verse is in your notes, Give up your lust for money, then the Almighty himself will be your treasure. Give up the lust for money, and then God will become your treasure. Hey, listen, listen. When God becomes your treasure, man, you're getting connected now. You're getting connected now when God is your treasure. When money and stuff money buys isn't your treasure and God is your treasure, oh, man, you're getting connected now. You're really getting connected where some incredible things are going to happen in your life. All right, let's answer this question real quick. How do I invest in this fund, Pastor? You say that I've got to invest in this treasury fund. How do I do it? Here's how you do it. And this is the next blank line, I think. Here's how you do it. 
You have to use some of your money as an expression of worship. An expression of worship. Now, guys, if God will help me today in the little bit of time I've got left, I want to tell you that when you give to God, and you can do it right now, if you've got any money to give to Kim Lancaster and her son Andrew as you're leaving today, give it and just say, thank you, Jesus, praise your holy name that I can give to this needy family. Making an act of worship, don't just go, well, okay, it's Hardee's instead of McCall's, you know. Give it as an act of worship. We give, we tithe, we invest in God's treasury fund. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Here's why. Because it makes God happy. It makes God happy. Did you know we can bless the Lord? Have you ever read that verse that says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me? How many of you have been blessed by the Lord? Just say amen. Did you know you can bless him back just a little bit of all he's blessed you with by just being obedient in the area of your money? And when you give that money, when you drop that 3% or that 5% or whatever you're able to start doing and you drop it in there, let it be an act of worship. Let me explain that a little further. Rick Warren. Rick Warren is uh, being called America's pastor. He wrote the book, The Purpose Driven Life. I heard him speak in Lynchburg, Tennessee, and uh, I bought the CD of that because he told a story on there that I wanted to use, and I've pulled it out, and I'm using it for this message. Listen to what he said. Rick Warren says, when I was a little kid, I used to buy or make all these little cheesy gifts for my parents. He said, and when I look back on them, they were really lame. But every time I would give my parents a present, they would be overjoyed by it. It wasn't like I could give them something they didn't already have. And it wasn't, think about us and God now, and it wasn't like, I, like, like they needed anything from me because they didn't. But they would enjoy the fact that I thought of them. That's what blessed them, that I thought of them. When you give your offering and you put it in that bag, just say, Lord, I've been thinking about you. And I've been thinking about your goodness in my life. And I've been thinking about all the things you've done for me. I've been thinking about all the prayers you've answered in my life. And I just give this to you today because, Lord, I've been thinking about you. Oh, man. He's your dad. He loves that. He loves that. He says, uh, one time when I was eight years old, I went into a thrift store and bought my my, uh, mother uh, a dress for 25 cents. He said, and I thought it was a really cool dress. I mean, it was like a size four. My mom, though, was a size 12. And I said, I rem-, he said, I remember that the clerk knew my mom, and, and, and she looked at that dress, and she looked at me, and she said, Ricky, your mom can't, can't even get her big toe in this dress. He said, and I was so offended, and I went home crying, and he said, I just kind of handed it up to my mom. And said, when I gave it to her, it was cheesy, useless. But she was so thrilled because it was given to her by her child who loved her. He said, when my mom died, he said, I found that dress in a box of her most precious things. He said she kept it all those years. 
Can I tell you that there's nothing you can give God he needs? God doesn't need your money. Newsflash. God doesn't need your money. I heard somebody say one time, yeah, God, you're out there. God's trying to get your money, you know, out there at that church. God's trying. Can I just say something to you on that right there? Just set you free. If he wanted to get it, he'd just get it. He's God. I mean, if it's in BB&T, he could just take BB&T and turn it upside down, just reach in there and get it, put it in his pocket and go, I'm happy now. God isn't trying to get you money. God don't need your money. You say, well, what does he want? He wants what your money represents. He wants your heart. Because he said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. He isn't trying to get your money. He's trying to get your heart. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. There's nothing you can give him that he needs. But when you come and you give God an offering, you're saying, I love you, thinking about you. God, I want you to have the first. I want you to have the first. The first purpose of life or the the main purpose of life is to know and love God. Can I tell you this morning that you were planned and made for his pleasure? You were planned and made for his pleasure. So listen, when you give to him, it makes him smile. He's your daddy. You say, who's your daddy? He's your daddy. He's your daddy, and he doesn't need your gift, just like Rick Warren's mom did not need that dress. But your gift is an act of love and worship, and you say, I love you, Father. Here's what he really loves. Here's what God just really loves. Does it matter to you that what you do makes God happy? It matters to me. And here's here's what he loves. He loves it when you give and say, you know why I'm giving you this, God? I'm giving you this because I want to be like you, and you're so generous. And you're my dad, and I want to be like my dad. I want to be like my dad. So, Dad, you've done so much for me. You've given me so much. I just want to give you this little bit because I just want to be like you. I want to be like you. That moves the heart of God. Proverbs 3 and 9 says, Honor God with everything you own. How much? Give him the first and the best. The first and the best. That's the first check you write. <laughs> I tried it the other way. Where I said I'm going to pay this important stuff. And then I'm going to pay God. Sometimes God didn't get what he should have got. Look what it says. It says the first and the best. Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income. The Bible does not say honor the Lord by giving him the leftovers. It says the first and the best part. Matthew 6, 21, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus again saying where your money goes, that's where your heart goes. Listen, listen. If I ask you right now, do you care about Microsoft? You go, well, not really. i tell you how to care about Microsoft. Buy you some stock in it. And you will read about it, and you will all of a sudden get all interested in Microsoft because where your treasure is, that's where your attention goes. So we've got to ask ourselves, where is our heart right now? Where is your heart today? Where is my heart right now, right now, right now, right now? Sitting right here in this church, where is your heart? You say, well, and you can say a lot of things, but I really only need two things from you to know where your heart is. I just need your calendar and your checkbook. Because where you spend your time and how you spend your money tells it all. 
And you can make eloquent speeches about what you care about. And you can make eloquent speeches about what's number one in your life. But your calendar and your checkbook, your day timer and your checkbook, tells the truth. You say, well, I need to examine that. Be a good idea. That's a good first step. Look at where your money's going. So where do you want to be? If I ask you where you want to be, not where you are, but where you want to be, most of you would look at me and go, I want to be with God, Pastor. I really do. I want to be with God. Well, you've got to follow that verse that says where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Where do you want your heart to be? I want it to be with God. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart will go. I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. So let's conclude. You said I thought we already were. Conclusion. So you're asking me probably, now you're thinking, okay, I've, I need to give to this treasury fund. And I need to give to this treasury fund. The way I do it is by giving as worship, an act of worship. So what really is giving and worship? Let's look at two things real quick right at the bottom of your notes. let you know I'm coming in for landing. First of all, worship giving is undesignated. Undesignated. Now listen. We believe in designated giving around this church. We're about to do it right now. We're going to give an offering. When you leave, it's going to go to a designated person. So we do designated giving. That's why we have missions, conference, and, and uh, that's why once in a while we'll take up an offering for a particular cause or whatever. We believe in designated giving. But listen to me. Your tithe needs to be undesignated. You don't need to try to control your tithe. And I've seen people go, well, I don't tithe out there, but I got $10,000. If y'all will do this with it, I'll give it to you. Well, let me tell you what I do with that. I'm going to be real transparent with you. $10,000 is hard to turn down. But if what they're wanting to give me $10,000 for doesn't flow with what God has told me to do in this church and flow with the vision of this church, we respectfully just ask them to keep their money. Now, if you, if you want to give $10,000 and it flows with something we want to do, then we'll, we'll work with you and we appreciate that. But don't designate your tithe. If you're going to designate something, let it be a special thing that you want to designate toward. Does that make sense? So, because see, worship is total surrender. Worship doesn't go, I love you, God, if you will do these five things for me. I love you. It's just I love you. It's just I love you, God. Okay? Let's look at a verse that kind of points that out. Leviticus 27, 28 says, You may not take back what you have unconditionally dedicated. Unconditionally dedicated to the Lord. Don't try to control it or direct it. Just release it. No strings attached. Number two, worship giving is when you give when and where you worship. When you worship and where you worship. Now, you might be here from another church today, and you're just visiting with us, and, and you're going to go back to another church. I, all of this teaching then relates to you in the sense of your church. It doesn't relate to you in the sense of this church. I don't need, if you're getting your ministry somewhere else, and you're getting your spiritual food, and you're getting your opportunities to serve, and you're getting your care and all that from another church, that's where your money needs to go. But, but there are two things in this verse that kind of jump out. Let me read the verse on every Sunday, put aside something from what you've earned during the week, 1 Corinthians 16, 2. 
and use it for the offering. The amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. So that tells me two things about worship giving. Worship giving is planned. Now, I've, have you ever given to some th- something emotionally? You know, I mean, I've heard missionaries tell stories, and I was like, <laughs> I'm just this check. Don't cash it till Saturday, but here, God bless you. <laughs> yeah, but who's giving like that? I mean, you know, I got a heart. I got a heart. I remember one time we were over in the old church. You all do know when you go back out to 70, that little brick church over there is where we started. Actually, we started on this road here, but we'll, anyway. We had this, uh, we had this uh, station wagon drive up with these people in it, and they looked so poor and destitute, and the kids were in the back seat, and they were hungry, and there's a bunch of little kids, and they came, and they told us, Whitley Church, we were just passing this way, and we got to get to Raleigh, you know, um, an airplane crash, and you had not heard about it on the news yet, but, yeah, stories. And, and they, they say, um, we need money to get there. Well, Whitley Church... Um, is a loving bunch of folks, man. They're just giving people. And so we just, we just uh, talked to them. Man, we went and took up an offering and got $700 on a Sunday night. I mean, that was a miracle. And we gave them that and prayed for them and prayed over them. And they just, and the next day I got a phone call from a pastor and said, Hey, there's this guy going around in a station wagon with a bunch of kids. He actually lives right here in Goldsboro. And he's hitting all the churches saying he's on his way to Rock. So I'm just saying, when you give emotionally, be careful. You can't, listen, you can give emotionally and be correct, but emotions will lie to you, okay? So be careful about that. So, so worship giving is planned. It is thought about. It is planned out so that you don't, so that you have given it thought. So, you know, you know the difference in getting a gift from somebody that's been thought through and getting a gift from somebody who went, oh, just whatever, you know, big lots, here's this. It, you feel better when you know they thought about that. And then it's proportional. And this is going to be a relief to you. The amount depends on how much you've earned. If you didn't earn anything, guess what you give? Nothing. If you earned a little, guess what you give? A little. If you earned a lot, you give a lot. That's a good deal. I mean, God's looking after us, so it's proportional. So uh, let me just close with this little illustration. Why does God um, place such a high priority on what you do with your money? Here's why. Deuteronomy 14, 23, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your life. So uh, one, I, I love what one guy said. He said, the most sensitive nerve in the body is the one that goes from the heart to the wallet. And that's the truth. Um, you said, let, let me just close with this illustration. I, I, know, I know what time it is. That's, that's too bad. It's been worse. Um, let's, say, let's say you're here today. And I really don't think there's anybody like that here today. But let's just pretend. There's somebody here today who goes, mm, I'm not going to do this. I, I'm not going to do it. I'm in too big a mess. I don't want to put forth the effort. I'm in bondage. I know I'm in bondage. I've just given up. I'm never going to get out of bondage. I'm just going to keep living my life the way I live it. And I don't know what's going to happen, bankruptcy, something. I don't know. But I'm just not doing it. And I just don't want to put forth the effort. Okay, great. But do it for your kids. Um, I grew up in a generation where in church you didn't hear about money. 
I grew up in a generation where you just almost heard nothing about money. And then if you did hear something about money, it was like, you're not giving enough. We got financial problems around here, financial needs. You know, that was usually what you heard. You never heard anything about how to get your financial house in order so you can obey God. See, that's what we want to do here. We want to teach you how to get it together so you can be obedient. But uh, I think about, and I wish I'd done this. My, my son, Brandon, is here today. Brandon, wave at everybody. Just let everybody see you right there, bud. That's my boy. That's my boy. He's just got out of jail. So proud of him. <laughs> and um, got to go back right after lunch. But, um, I wish I'd done this with my boys. And I, and I, I did teach it some, but I didn't teach it like I should have. And I've got to tell you the reason I didn't is because nobody ever taught me. I didn't. I've got to tell you guys something. I never heard sermons like this. I didn't hear teaching like this. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Here's all you got to do. Um, if your kids are small, buy three jars, and on one jar put God. And teach them, say, listen now, let's say you get $10. Let's put a dollar in here and then read them the scripture. And, and this is why we put a dollar in here. And then that's, that's for God, okay? And we're just going to give that to the church. And Pastor Farrell and Pastor Andy can go out and eat lunch and stuff like that, okay? So we'll give that to the church. And um, if I really did do that, I'd never say that. But um, um, so we're going to give that to God. And then, you remember that missionary that came and you wanted to help that missionary? So we're going to put an extra quarter in and that will go to the missionary. You remember how we went out to the homeless shelter and volunteered that day? And you remember how you saw those men who were there and you wanted to give and help that out? So we're going to put a quarter in there. So we've got a dollar and a half in here. We've got a dollar for our tithe and we've got a quarter for the missionary and a quarter for the soup kitchen. And he's like, because see, when they're little, they don't really care that much, so they don't fight you. So you got to get them while they're tender. I'm telling you. I'm serious. you got to get this, this. This is a Listen, when you do this, you're setting your kids free. Because they will grow up and do this the rest of their life, and they'll never be in the shape you got in. Do you love your children? Get some jars. <laughs> and then in the second jar... Because we always put the money for God in first. In the second jar, we go, now we got to save something. And let them pick what they're going to save. Let them decide. They go, a dime. <laughs> Ten cent in there, because that puts more in this one that says spend. <laughs> so they go, we're just going, you only want to go with a dime? I would suggest more. No, dime. So when can I use that? Well, we're going to use that when we go to Orlando. When we go down to Disneyland, we're going to use the money out of the savings jar. A dime. Because I have lots of time. Plenty of time. So put a dime in there. And then put the rest in there. Ha ha, yes. Put it in there. And so they, they do that. And so then the trip to Orlando comes up and they go, how much money I got in here? Oh, dollar and ten cent. Why is there just a dollar and ten cent? Because that's the one you chose to put the least amount in. What about some of that God money? Don't you dare touch that God money. So then they learn once you give them that dollar and ten cent and you know, make them go a couple days with just that in their pocket, they learn to what? Save more. And you'll never teach them that until you let them go through some stuff. Y'all with me? I mean, you can teach it, and you ought to teach it, 
uh, usually experience. And then the spend one is what they go out with their friends or, or they get things they enjoy, things they like. Get you some jars. And I know what some of you are thinking. Get the kids some jars. I'm going home and get me some jars. <laughs> you know what I say to that? If you ain't got a plan, hallelujah. Be a great place to get started. Because that's it right there, guys. You pay God. Pay him first. That's not, I'm just saying what the Bible says. You know. This isn't Pharaoh Hardest in chapter 2, verse 8. This is the Bible. You pay him first, the best and the first. And then you put up some for saving. And then you live on the rest. Father, thank you for this word today. Let us receive it, believe it, walk in it. Help the people to understand that if they will buy into this, it will set them free. If they will buy into this teaching, it will set their children free. Oh God, oh God, I pray in Jesus' name that we will not treat this teaching frivolously today, but we will believe it and do it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, thanks for coming.